For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The U.S. Men's National Team are a couple weeks away from the final, ultimate, conclusive, decisive final World Cup qualifying window that's going to decide whether or not the U.S. Men's National Team makes it to the World Cup. Now, how they fare in those three games is ultimately going to be the determining factor for how this team is viewed. The team, the players, and the coach, and the federation, and everybody else involved. But I think we have enough data at this point to kind of take a look back at Greg Berhalter's tenure, especially his tenure uh, during World Cup qualifying. And, and, and I want to bring up a point that's that's been bothering me about Greg lately. Uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot. It, it, it's a point that I think affects just about the all the games, the entire World Cup qualifying, the, 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 the idea that we had going into World Cup qualifying from a system standpoint, and I think it pieces a lot of things together. So I want to get into that. All that and more on this episode of the Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is the Yank Report, the show where we talk about the U.S. men's national team. And today we're discussing a guy who I think gets more pub than anybody else in the national team altogether, and that's Greg Berhalter, the head coach. Now, when Greg Berhalter was hired, and, and we all know the story about how and why he was hired, all that aside, but whenever he was hired, he came in with the idea of, of creating this system that was going to change the way that the world views American soccer. If you've seen the behind-the-scenes, behind-the-crest videos and heard him talk in press conferences, you know that that's an important thing to him, changing the way the world views American soccer. And his whole thing was to uh, create a team that has a system that has progressive, possession-based, beautiful, free-flowing attack attacking soccer. Uh, And it's been his implementation of that system or lack thereof in some cases uh, that has had people just furious with this guy as as a manager. I has that always been fair? I don't know. Uh, I I think we have seen a lot of evidence throughout World Cup qualifying that there, in fact, is a system, uh, and that whenever it works, it really works. And uh, the thing that really clued me into this was uh, Eric Williamson did the Scuff podcast recently, and he talked about um, why he was not a, a part of that Olympic qualifying uh, uh, cycle. Yeah, definitely cues. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pressing cues that's different from the way we play here that. Greg wants um, to play there, but also like on the ball, it's just kind of adding that flexibility of getting the ball in front of the back line behind a, you know, the second line of defense or, you know, little things like that, that's makes it super tough to play. Um, it, it's not easy in the first three camps I've been with Greg, like it's, you know, I've had a terrible experience kind of trying to learn it. You know, I didn't do the best job and it's, it's because it's so difficult. Um, there, there's so many different cues that you have to know. Timing is everything in that in that system, and it's just kind of getting getting reps and getting getting used to just how how Greg wants to play is is very tough. And you know, it's not one cue where I can say, "Hey, when this happens, you do this." It's it, it's reacting off the other team as well. So it's very complex, and I think it's been so successful because of how complex it is as well. 
Now, the thing about that is, the thing about having a really complicated, complex system is that if you're a national team that does not have a lot of time to practice and does not have a lot of time to bring guys in and kind of show them where they're supposed to be on the field, you end up in this situation where it's difficult to rotate guys and it's difficult to bring guys into the system. And I think we've seen that manifest itself over and over again uh, throughout World Cup qualifying. There's been guys like uh, Luca De La Torre and Jean-Luc Abusio uh, who have kind of been on the outside looking in, especially in Luca De La Torre's case. And there have been players like Sebastian Legette and Christian Roldan who keep being called in over and over again despite uh, maybe some lackluster performances. And and I think a lot of that has to do with system knowledge, especially whenever you consider the words uh, of Eric Williamson. Knowing what to do in the system is really important, and understandably that it's really important to Greg Berhalter that the players who he's bringing in know what they need to do and that he doesn't have a lot of time to teach them. Now, the thing is, football might be over, but MLS is coming back, and Champions League and European soccer are in full swing. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage, from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play all your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. That's a tough thing to have if you're a national team manager, knowing going in that you're not going to have a lot of players available, knowing going in that you're going to have a very young team, one of the youngest teams in the world, and knowing going in that throughout World Cup qualifying, there's going to be more young players who are going to have the potential to come in and impact this team and having a very complex system that's difficult for players to get a hold of right away uh, makes it even harder to integrate those players. And I think we saw that at the beginning uh, of like Nations League, whenever Yunus Musa was kind of held off for a while before he was really unleashed on this team. I think we're seeing that with Joe Scally. I think there's a number of players that you can kind of point to and say, maybe Greg wants to bring them in, but he just does not have time right now to integrate them into World Cup qualifying. And, and that's that's not a great thing, but ultimately that's not the thing that I'm that I'm most upset about whenever it comes to Greg Berhalter and his system. Uh, I, I think that can be a bad thing, a very complicated system uh, that takes a while for players to, to grab a hold of if the juice is not worth the squeeze. If ultimately the system that you're going that, that you're uh, having anybody everybody buy into, the system that you're putting above all else. Um, is so good that it makes up for that lack of ability to rotate and that and that lack of familiarity whenever you're bringing new players in. If the system is that good that it can overcome those obstacles, then there's not a lot for me to complain about there. And to be fair to Greg Berhalter, the system at its best uh, was the best performance that, I, for my money, it's the best performance I've ever seen from the U.S. Men's National Team. I'm speaking about that home game, that home World Cup qualifier against Mexico. That was, I think, it, it was an example of, of Greg's system. We saw all the things that he always talks about. We saw the verticality. We saw the eights getting up and up the field. We saw the fullbacks getting up the field. We saw positional interchange. We saw uh, players that knew where they were supposed to be on the field and what they were doing. We saw the team possess the ball from the back like we, we'd never seen from the national team before. We saw a really intelligent and cohesive pressing system. I mean, all the 
boxes were checked. And this was up against a Mexico team that is uh, has some very good players, some players that are playing at very high levels, and, and a lot of very savvy veterans. Uh, this was a, a very impressive performance, and it was an imp- performance that we saw under Greg Berhalter, and it was a system that Greg Berhalter has been preaching. I, I can't take that away from Greg. That was the best performance from the national team that I've personally ever seen against a quality of opponent that that as good as Mexico was. But here's my problem. Here's my problem, and here's my problem with my, my beef with Greg Berhalter. The problem is, that's the only time we saw that. I mean, to be fair, the Jamaica game at home was building up to that, and the Costa Rica game at home was building up to that, and ultimately we got the payoff against Mexico, and it was spectacular. But the very next game we played was away at Jamaica, and even though we started almost all the same players, save for uh, Weston McKinney and Miles Robinson, we weren't able to bring any of that with us. The, the system really fell apart once we went to Jamaica. And there's reasons why it fell apart. The, 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 the Jamaican team that we played was very physical. They, they brought in a lot of rash challenges, a lot of challenges that maybe are red cards or yellow cards in other parts of the world, but in CONCACAF it was play on. The field was not that great. Uh, the, the, the weather was not that great. All these things, all these excuses that we throw out about World Cup qualifying it, they ultimately led to the U.S. not being able to move the ball as effectively as they would at home in, in, in like an immaculate pitch situation. And I think that's important. I, I think where we think about teams that play the beautiful game and knock the ball around and play positional play, it's generally in really nice conditions. I mean, consider Mex- uh, uh, Manchester City, consider Barcelona, consider Bayern Munich, consider PSG. Uh, these are teams with really high-level players. They're playing on in, in the best grounds in the world, these freshly manicured, watered grounds, and they're able to move the ball around. We know going in, and we've known this for decades, that away in CONCACAF is not conducive to that kind of play. I mean, we saw with that first game against El Salvador where, you know, the, 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 the clever passes and the clever interchanges were just not available. It, the conditions away in CONCACAF make it really difficult, make it unconducive to that style of play. And the issue that I have, the beef that I have, is that we knew that going in. We were very aware going in that the away games in CONCACAF were going to be very difficult to play like that. Heck, we saw that uh, in the last window uh, against Canada. Uh, Part of Greg's system is that, you know, um, there's positional overloads and whenever you're overloading one side of the field, if you can't break through uh, that pressure, you have to switch it. We saw that brilliantly in the El Salvador game at home in the last window in that um, opportunity that uh, Jesus Ferreira had, but he missed. If you remember that sequence of play, um, Eunice Musa had gotten back all the way to like a left back position. Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney were all in that little space. They were all overloading that side of the field. Uh, they were all bunched up together. They drew in a lot of El Salvador attackers. And, and what that led to was Eunice Musa was able to find Serginho Des with a really nice switch. And whenever he switched it to Serginho, Serginho had the entire right flank in order to attack. And he got up the field. He played in a nice ball to Tim Weah uh, and Weah. Played a nice ball into Jesus Ferreira, but Jesus Ferreira was not able to put away that opportunity. That's something that happened. That that opportunity was there because of the system. That was something that was that that all the players on the field were were aware that that opportunity uh, could potentially happen based on the way that they played. The issue is the next game when we played Canada. It was so cold that there was the players did not attempt a lot of long switches. I mean, we saw the goal that the U.S. gave up against Canada. That was Matt Turner uh, hitting a ball that that 
that you know didn't get hit very well and ends up being intercepted by Canada. Uh, but there was multiple examples of of um, balls not flying through the air very well. I mean, uh, if you look at all the free kicks and the corner kicks, so many of them were unable to beat the first defender, unable to beat the first man. The long balls were basically taken out of the game in that in, in that case, especially whenever you consider that if you hit a bad switch against Canada. And it gets picked up by Jonathan David or uh, Tejon Buchanan or one of these burners that they have. You're you're in a very tough situation. So the U.S. hardly switched the ball at all in that game. Whenever the U.S. was trying to switch it, it ended up being one of those situations where you hit it to the left back who hit it to the one center back who hit it to the other center back who hit it to the right back who finally completed the switch. And by that time, Canada was able to shift over. That's something that we see not only in that game against Canada, but also in these games away in CONCACAF where the U.S. is not able to play on these immaculate pitches, where it's a little bit bumpy and they're not able to play these long balls. And it, it, it just interferes with that positional style of play, uh, that, that positional style of play that relies on these long switches and these long balls in order to uh, get things out of trouble whenever your positional overloads uh, create overloads on one side of the field and opportunities on the other. That being said, the thing is, is that we knew that. We knew that going in. We knew going into World Cup qualifying that, Away in CONCACAF, the, the pitches are not great. The, that You're not going to be able to play clean soccer uh, away in CONCACAF the, the way that you would at home. You're not going to be able to have these beautiful, immaculate passes. You're not going to be able to have these quick one-twos and break opponents down in the box. It's just not, you're not going to be capable of that. And the issue that we have is we don't have a plan B. We don't. That's all, all we have right now is, is a system that relies on on conditions being absolutely immaculate in order to uh, to to be effective. What we're seeing away in CONCACAF is the team struggles to bring the ball up. The team struggles to create opportunities. They struggle to shift it around enough, quick quick enough to unbalance the opposition. We saw it in Canada. We saw it against El Salvador. We saw it against Panama. We saw it against Jamaica. We see it over and over again. That's the thing that frustrates me, and that's the thing that we knew going in. So for me, of all the sins of this national team under Greg Berhalter throughout World Cup qualifying, none is greater than the fact that we weren't prepared for an obstacle that we knew about all along. We were not prepared for when the ball does not slide across the field well, for whenever it's too cold to hit long balls accurately uh, and reliably, uh, for, for whenever the hard fouls are coming in in midfield and the referee isn't blowing the whistle, for whenever the opposition is parking the bus in front of the box and we're still trying to play in these tight little triangles. We did not have a plan B. We should have had a plan B. We, we should have something that we can turn to, something that was practiced, something that, that the guys understand and know, okay, if the opposition is playing like this and we can't break them down with our technical ability, here's the other thing that we're going to go to. You know, I've always felt that the U.S. men's national team should have three styles of play at the ready uh, for depending on the, the, the situation and the opponent that they're taking on. The first one is the World Cup style. That's whenever we're going to be playing uh, at a neutral ground against an opposition that may be better than us uh, technically and physically. Maybe uh, maybe we'll be sitting back a lot and maybe we'll, we're going to be needing to counterattack. The second one is for whenever we're at home in, in CONCACAF, whenever we're going to have the bulk of the possession and we need to break teams down who are sitting back and bunkering. The third one is whenever we're away in CONCACAF and, and the pitches are not going to be conducive to slick passing and nice triangles and, and nice technical play. We should have all these systems ready to go because these are the three type of games that we face on a regular basis. 
unfortunately, that's not really what we've seen. I think the good news is, at least for me, at least this is what I think. This is what I think in my heart and in my brain. I, I do think that if the U.S. can do what they need to do in this last round of qualifying, if they can get the points necessary to qualify, I think that the system that we have is going to be uh, translate really nicely to World Cup. I, I think with the athletes that we have and, and the way that they play and, and, and the slick passing and the technical things that they can do on the field, it's going to work really well uh, away in the World Cup, especially whenever you have teams that are playing us a lot like Mexico plays us, where they're going to be looking to possess the ball a lot, and they're going to be exposing themselves, and they're going to give our super athletic, uh, super ball-winning midfield the ability to nick the ball off of them and create counterattacks. That's something that we just don't get to do a lot in World Cup qualifying because opposition does not open themselves up to that. I do think that the way that we're playing right now will work pretty well uh, in the World Cup. The issue is, man, man, did we take a lot of risks in order to get there. And and if we don't qualify for this World Cup, the reason why we didn't is is because we attempted to play this one style, this one style that relies on on everything being perfect in super imperfect situations and imperfect situations that we knew were going to be imperfect, that have always been imperfect and always will be imperfect. That's my beef with Greg Berhalter. That's the big frustration I have. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, If you're new here, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, all that good stuff. If you really want to support the channel, you can become a member. You can get access to some members-only videos. I've been putting those up more frequently. I do a lot where, like, if I'm interviewing somebody, uh, like, famous or something like that, I'll I'll get them afterwards to do some uh, some extra content for the members. Uh, You'll also get cool badges whenever you have comments. If you're a Tier 2 member, you get a shout-out in the video, like, Mike Irish and Manuel Alivetis. If you like the videos, but you want this in podcast form, the Yank Report podcast is available on the Believe Podcast Network, available everywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you check that out. I know you guys ask me all the time about the Spanish video, and I began writing that. I'm working on that right now. I've had a lot of things come up and a lot of opportunities to interview some really interesting people, so I've kind of put that on the back burner, but it is something that I'm working towards right now. Uh, So as always, si puede hablar español, tía mi comentario en español. Thank you guys so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report, brought to you by Bet Online. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.